Hello, and welcome to another episode of Therapy Matters with me, your host, David Racinos, LCSW. So today I wanted to start talking about ADHD, which is one of the most common diagnoses that I receive. So I would say right now about 80 to 90% of the clients that I receive are diagnosed with ADHD. And the the ages vary from five to like 19 year olds that I receive. And usually the older teens to adults aren't diagnosed until later on. And then they, when they notice a lot of issues with uh, basically like school, like learning disabilities and uh, inability to kind of focus and retain attention. So kind of poor academic grades. So let me start by getting a little bit of the clinical, the, the ADHD. So ADHD stands for attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And it's a neurological neurodevelopmental disorder. And there's about 3 million cases reported per year are three times more likely to be diagnosed than females. 13% of males are diagnosed within their lifetime. And the average age of diagnosis is at 70 years old. But symptoms usually first appear between the ages of 3 to 6. And 4% of American adults of age of 18 are diagnosed with ADHD and deal with the disorder on a daily basis. Uh, Children from predominantly English-speaking households are four times more likely to be diagnosed. And girls are actually, their diagnosis is always misinterpreted, so they get diagnosed with anxiety, depression, uh, but basically the ADHD isn't really noticed until the end. Because basically their symptoms are a little bit different than the boys' presentation. So the boys will uh, present with um, kind of the classic symptoms like inability to focus, uh, hyperactivity, uh, disruption, um, blurting out answers, kind of running around the classroom. So it's pretty obvious to kind of see. But with girls, what will happen is they'll show withdrawal symptoms, low self-esteem, anxiety, issues with attention, inattention, they'll daydream. Sometimes they will show some verbal aggression, like teasing, name-calling, but mainly they try to do something called masking, which is kind of hiding the symptoms, so they pretend that everything's okay when they're actually kind of struggling through it. And the ADHD, there are three types of diagnosis. So it used to be called ADD, Attention Deficit Disorder, but now they just combined as ADHD, and it's the three types. So there's predominantly hyperactivity, hyperactive, impulsive, and predominantly inattentive. And then you have the combined type. So with the the hyperactive, it's kind of what I described with um, uh, fidgety, unable to s- sit in their seats, uh, running out of classrooms, Climbing inappropriately on top of desks, uh, chairs. So this is like uh, kids. With adults, what you'll get is um, they'll describe a feeling of restlessness. And with the kids, they're unable to sit or play quietly. Uh, They're on the go, like on a motor, talking excessively, blurting out answers, uh, difficulty waiting their turns, interruptive. And with the predominantly... Inattentive, it's an inability to focus, uh, concentrate, difficulty sustaining attention, not listening when spoken to, unable to follow directions, issues with organization, 
avoiding difficult tasks that require a lot of attention. Um, so basically, there's like a, a list of other things along with uh, like losing things, forgetfulness, um, easily dis disrupted by like uh, outside stimulus, so like noise, uh, people talking. So like I said, ADHD is a neurodevelopmental disorder, but it also um, impairs um, cognition, communication, behavioral motor skills. So it's an abnormal brain development. And there's also coexisting disorders that come along with it. Like I mentioned, learning disabilities, conduct disorders, oppositional defiance, anxiety, depression, Tourette's. And then I also have a lot of clients that uh, have presented with autism. So kind of like Asperger's, high functioning, a lot of them, and a lot of females too that I've been, um, clients that have been coming in lately. And what happens in ADHD brain, so... The neurotransmitters are affected, nerve pathways are affected, certain parts of the brain become less active or smaller, there are brain chemicals, dopamine, which carry signals between nerves in the brain and are linked to movement, sleep, mood, attention, learning, and feelings of pleasure. Uh, norepinephrine is affected, which is synthesized in the brain, so it's a basic building block molecule which is dopa which is then converted to dopamine which is then converted to norepinephrine and when there's a deficiency of norepinephrine it affects inattention organization impairs executive function and let me get into a couple of different facts so adhd and autism are typically kind of linked so there's a 30 to 80 percent chance of children with autism also having ADHD, 20 to 50% of children with ADHD also qualify for having autism, and ADHD and genetics, uh, 77 80% is hereditary, 80% is also hereditary for autism, 30 to 70% um, are passed from fathers to son, and then when the father's when the fathers pass on their genetics to females, uh, the girls come down with poor time management and lower verbal and total IQ. When the mothers are involved passing on the genetics, there's an inhibition of motor deficiency control. So basically the kids kind of show a little bit more um, like active uh, impulsiveness. A big issue that I receive is when I get the referrals and then they don't know, the clients don't know much about, well, they kind of suspect that they have ADHD or either autism. But then when I talk to the parents, the parents are kind of in denial. They seem to think that, no, there's nothing wrong with them. Sometimes they don't feel like therapy is appropriate. But then the clients kind of tell me, yeah, it is. I know I have this issue. I need to be heard. Uh, they feel like the parents dismiss a lot of the symptoms and the things that they report. So then I have to kind of reinforce what the clients are telling me. And then sometimes I'll have a meeting with the parents to just discuss what happens. Once the parents kind of come on board and they realize, like, yes, there is something wrong with my child. And they're able to identify specific symptoms and behaviors. Then the communication improves. It seems like the clients actually receive the, the need and the support that they need at that time. Now, some of the coping skills that I work with with a client is first uh, identifying what they have, the symptoms, behaviors, 
then we start doing like exercise is the main thing. So I always recommend exercise for everything. And with ADHD, it helps improve focus, concentration, uh, ability to complete tasks. So it kind of helps um, reinforce some of the behaviors that they're kind of lacking. So it will help improve certain things. And also doing mindfulness, like meditation, grounding techniques, that helps also to be able to control a lot of the negative thinking that they have, a lot of uh, like inability to focus, um, kind of having a lot of issues in their head as far as like uh, words and things. Uh, so it's kind of disruptive. So when they work on meditation, it seems like they calm everything down. They're able to control things, focus, concentrate. And then also we work on diet. So diet is very important. So um, limiting the amount of sugar that they eat, carbs, focusing more on protein, uh, you know, eating a, a nice combination of veggies with uh, the protein. and But we'd go over like a certain diet. So there's a whole checklist of things that we actually go over. And then just getting support. Um, with a lot of the ADHD clients, we'll work on something called a 504 plan and an IEP. Uh, so with clients, we discuss um, getting special school accommodations. Uh, so there's an IEP and a 504 plan. So the IEP is a plan that covers 13 conditions. Uh, I won't go over all of them. So I'll actually put a link underneath that explains the difference between an IEP and a 504 plan. But some of the conditions that are covered under an IP are like dyslexia, dyscalculia, written expression problems like uh, dysgraphia, uh, ADHD, ASD, emotional disturbances, speech or language issues, uh, visual impairment, deafness, intellectual disabilities. And this is a, a law that's covered under the special education law, Individuals with Disabilities Education Act. And the 504 is a, it covers any disability that interferes with a child's ability to learn. And it, in the government educational classroom, uh, it has a broader definition of a disability than an I, IDA. And it also covers learning, reading, communication, and thinking issues. Um, so if the client doesn't meet the criteria for an IEP, they could also be covered under the 504 plan. So it's always good to kind of have the client. So what I do is I'll recommend that they get evaluated by the school psychologist or the school in general. But a lot of times the school doesn't do it. So what I'll do is I'll write them a letter that says, you know, the client has ADHD or a certain disability. So then they present that to the school and then the school will go ahead and do the um, evaluation. So testing and then just see which one they kind of meet. So, but like I said, I'll put a link underneath that kind of explains the difference between both of them. And then just uh, a lot of parenting education, working with the parents, having them understand the symptoms, the behaviors. Like I said, a lot of the parents will dismiss that, you know, they'll tell me I'd never had ADHD, but then I'll, it'll come out down the line that, yes, maybe they did. And then they'll try to figure out, you know, maybe this was a cause, but it, it gets very difficult. But at least the kids are willing to except that they have the diagnosis and work with them. And I always tell them you're never going to recover from it, but, you know, you can learn to cope with it. You can learn strategies and interventions that will help. We also work on um, scheduling, setting timers for activities, um, reward systems, and various things that seem to kind of help 
improve their um, ability to focus and then just function. So mainly it's trying to improve their academics and then also communication skills. So this was kind of a brief intro into ADHD. Hopefully some of the uh, tips and information that I offered was helpful. I'll probably continue part two because um, there's a lot that's involved. So I kind of briefly touched upon certain things. But I'll go into more detail about um, some of the things that I deal with on a daily basis. So thank you again for joining me for today. Hopefully this was a helpful and educational experience for you. And I hope to see you again next time. Thank you so much. Take care. This podcast and website represents opinions of David Eli Racinos, as well as his guests to the show and website. It should not be taken as medical mental health advice. The contents here are for informational purposes only. And because each person is so unique, please consult with your mental health care professional for your mental health questions. In no way does listening, reading, emailing, or interacting on social media with our content establish a clinician-client relationship.